Welcome to the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. And as always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? Good, how are you? boys. How are you? Good, good. I feel older. I look older now that I hit the big four nine. So it is what it is. But um, hey, not every day that you can say you get a chance to watch the Super Bowl on your birthday and really enjoy it. But uh, it's a good game. We'll get into that here in a few minutes. We've got some local business to, to talk about first. But um, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? Relaxing. Thank God. Yeah, it was good. I saw most of it with my dad. And then I drove home and caught the final part of it uh, from my place. Yes, you caught the Mahomes magic. Yeah, it, it, it is relaxing. It's nice when, on the one hand, you want your teams in it. You want the Patriots in it. You know, in my case, I love the Packers to be in it, but um, but when it's when you don't have that rooting interest, you can actually sit back, watch a game, enjoy it, not get stressed out, and 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 laugh at the commercials. And I thought the commercials, by the way, were fantastic this year, and um, the, the halftime show, which I thought sucked, but the, the Duncan one was really good. I thought that was the best one of the night. And Tom Brady stole the show, really. I mean, he he was in a couple of ads, but that I agree. I think that that one was really good. It was the best one of the night. Before we get started here, I do want to remind you that if you are looking to sell your current home or buy your first home, give our friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. You can also email him at situate.mortgageright.com. Herb has been in this business for over 25 years. He has the experience you need to help you in the lending process. Give him a call, shoot him an email today. He can help you get you, he can help get you on your way to your next purchase or your first purchase. Again, give them a call at 781-254-2846, or you can email them at situate.mortgageright.com. Herb and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to answer any questions that you may have. All right, gentlemen, of course, the big news locally was the hiring of Bill O'Brien as the new head football coach at Boston College. It was made official on Friday. And, and look, to me, it... it I've all, I had always felt after a couple of days into the process, if you will, that when, when you kept hearing his name come up, I felt that ultimately Boston College was either going to aim high and try to get Bill O'Brien or they were going to hire Al Washington. I didn't really feel like any of the other candidates that we had heard about were legitimate candidates. Ultimately, they get it done with O'Brien after about a week of trying to hammer out the financial details for him and his staff. I think from a Boston College standpoint, you had a lot of momentum coming into this offseason anyway, coming off the Fenway Bowl win. Jeff Halfley leaves. That's a downer. But then you get to replace him with a guy like Bill O'Brien. That's a big win for the Boston College Eagles. It was a good day on Friday to be an Eagle. Adam, go ahead. Everybody's sick of me. Uh, uh, no, I, I actually want to ask you some questions. Um, but the, to me, the – the thing about this is most schools, when they have their dream candidate, they don't get them. Like, it seemed from the beginning, as, as Kev will tell you, was that they targeted O'Brien from the beginning. And, like, usually, especially a school like BC, which doesn't, like, it's it's hard to get that guy if you really want him. Um, so I think this is a huge, huge win for BC. It changes, in my opinion, and we were talking about this before too, but like this changes the expectation level of your entire program because you get a guy like Bill O'Brien, you're not shooting for seven and six. You know, you're getting, you want, you want 10 wins. You want 11 wins. You want, you want big things. If you hire a guy like Bill O'Brien, who's got pro experience, um, has coached, at the power five level before, like some of the places where this guy is coached, it's like the who's who of, you know, football, the new England Patriots, Alabama, Penn state. Like this is like, if you had told me at the beginning of this process that, um, that they would get bill O'Brien, I would have said, nah, probably not. And you kick the tires on him for sure. And maybe you make a run at him, but you're not going to get him. And, you know, here he is. And so I think, you know, everybody involved here deserves props for it. It's 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 just terrific. I think it's an excellent thing. 
Yeah, Adam, I'm glad you brought up expectations. I wrote this today. You know, I kind of broke it on Thursday. Um, I'm with you in the sense that, yes, it changes expectations, but I'm not sure it can this year. I think fans may have to temper those. Again, he's he just met his team for the first time like three days ago. We have spring ball in a month and a half. He hasn't recruited anybody, um, and his staff still isn't put in place. So I completely agree with you that expectations. And, and by the way, spring ball will be way before a month and a half. The, the, they'll be in right. spring ball in about probably three weeks, I would three, four think. Weeks, right. So, yeah. um, so, yes, I'm with you that expectations should be high, and we've already seen him have a huge impact bringing in a new strength and conditioning coach from Florida who just took the job two months ago. Um, and who's been at Penn State with him and with the Texans. But on the flip side of that, again, this is all a learning process now for Bill, and he still has to, to build that staff. So I'm not sure they're going to be great right away. I hope I'm wrong, obviously, but the schedule wasn't easy as well. But um, to your overall point, 100%, it's, it's a home run hire in every aspect. You have a guy who doesn't necessarily – Look, recruiting is important, but being a CEO is more important at this point. And I think you have a guy who can do that because he's done it before. And he did it when it, you know, a, a Penn State program was coming off the worst scandal in North American sports history. You know, we can argue that. But he did that and sort of navigated those waters in the Big Ten as well. So um, you cannot ask for a better face of your program uh, or a better offensive guy, I think. To, to kind of work with Castellano. So overall, just an, an absolute home run hire. And and now I'm fascinated to see what the rest of the staff looks like as well. Yeah, a couple of things. One, I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's important to keep things in perspective here. It'll be interesting to see how he uses Castellanos. I'm, I'm curious to see how his system is going to work with Castellanos and this skill group as a whole. I'm curious to see who he keeps that are leftovers from Halfley staff. There's some good coaches there, some good recruiters. I couldn't disagree with you more on the CEO thing. You're not a CEO. They're not even close anymore. Those days are long over. You you have to be an active recruiter now as a head coach. If you're not recruiting every single day of the year, either keeping your own players or trying to get someone else's or trying to get high school kids, you're not doing your job. And, and this is a big reason why – Nick Saban retired. Chip Kelly left UCLA. Uh, you're, you're, you're seeing it with other assistants. Ryan Grubb, who was with Kalen DeBoer, goes to Alabama with him, leaves to take the Seahawks OC job. It, it It's never ending. It's quite frankly, I don't know why. I, I, kudos to Bill. I don't know why the hell anybody would want to be a college head football coach right now. No thanks, in my opinion. I, I, I wouldn't want any part of that. Um, that being said, I think – He's obviously got the name Cachet. Now, I think a lot has been made of the Penn State thing. Per personally, I think way too much has been made about the Penn State thing. Yes, he went in there in the midst of that scandal, and I'll give him credit for the job that he did, but that was a long time ago. We, we that, was, that was 10 years ago. We need to stop talking about that when we think about what he could be as a college coach. I focus more on his time in Alabama. Biggest thing for me is going to be can he recruit at the level – that they're going to need him to recruit to be successful. Does he have those ties? He'll have those ties in New England, but does he have those ties in other parts of the country that Boston College has gone in in the past and was able to get talent? If he doesn't, can he cultivate those ties? He's going to need to hire some strong recruiters because it's the name of the game. It really is. And, and so I do have concerns there. He's been, even though he was in Alabama a couple of years ago, I do think that the majority of, of his career in recent years, <clears throat> excuse me, has been spent in the NFL. So the recruiting piece concerns me a little bit. Again, I give him a lot of credit for the job he did at Penn State, but I think way too much has been made of that. Times have changed in the college football landscape. That literally means nothing anymore. Um, and I think, again, for me, is Boston College going to be a good enough job for him to want to stay? He's in his mid-50s, I was told, two years ago by people that he wanted to be a head coach in college again, that that was ultimately his goal at the time. College football wasn't as volatile as it is right now, so I think he's gotten what he wants. But I also think, is Boston College a big enough job for Bill O'Brien to want to stay there? 
Does he want to stay there the rest of his career? Can he see himself there 10, 12 years? We'll find out in due time. But well, there is, there my is early a, answer to that question is no. I don't think it's a big enough job for him. So I'm with you. I don't either. But um, as far as I know and as far as was reported, there's a clause in that contract where he's not going to go to the NFL. Now, of course, yeah, it, they, it can can't, be, they, they can't do that. But right. Anyway, so it can always I be. Um, I don't buy could, that. It can he can get out of that. I, you're probably right. But he's also 54. So and I wrote this the other day. You know, who knows? Maybe he wants as a local guy. Maybe he wants, you know, changing BC to be that lasting legacy, you know. So uh, I'm with you. It, it's it's hard to tell. It's he hasn't even been, you know, the coach for three, four days. But um, I do think there's a chance where this is his last stop, and uh, he wants to make this sort of his lasting legacy. But who knows? We'll see. I think to me the biggest thing, and John, you talked about this. It's how well he's going to be able to recruit. Yep. And you know, you talk to high school coaches around here, and they always want BC to be one of those teams that gets all the top Massachusetts and New England guys and to win with guys like that. And no, it's been hard for BC coaches, you, as far back as you want to go, who do get that. Well, oh, there's a lot of high school. In fairness to BC coaches, though, there's a lot of high school coaches too that are delusional. Yeah, about I know. What, but I what know. their kids are, and you know, well, there's been a lot of guys that I've talked to through the years. Of like, I think he's a BC kid. I'm like, you know, I think you need to be drug tested. That's not. That's not what I'm saying, though. But of the, of the top guys that they would go to BC and stuff like that, I don't think any one school, maybe Michigan has had great luck getting all the top guys that they want from this area. Oh, Notre uh, Dame in recent years. Yeah, Notre Dame. Um, but again, you know, you you see a lot of local coaches talking about, you know, maybe this could be the opportunity um, of, of, of O'Brien scooping up all the best locals. But uh, I think a lot of that is tough. I mean, there's tons of reasons for that. But um, I do think O'Brien's success or failure is going to come from how well he can recruit, not just here, but Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, Florida, places like that. Um, and it's it's a difficult place to recruit to, BC is. Yes, because, the academic standards make it tough. Yeah. Always has. And, and the fact that people don't really grow up dreaming of playing at BC as much as you do some other parts of the country and with, with, you know, like LSU or Alabama, a place like that. So a lot of those kids in those parts of the country grow up wishing to play for those teams. And BC has never really had, maybe not never, but doesn't really have that cachet with local recruits. And that's something he has, he has to overcome. Every BC coach has had to overcome that. Well, on yeah, top of that, absolutely. just on top of that too, I do think O'Brien coming in, it may, I don't know if encourage is the right word, but you might start getting some more NIO money and donations from, from the alumni who's got plenty of it. So uh, The alumni think, need to step up here, though. Yes. The alumni have yeah, not been – yep. they, were, they, were they, they were late on the NIL thing. They haven't always been engaging. You go to those press conferences after games. There's only a couple of them there. The alumni and the donor base for Boston College – Needs to step it up. Yes, the fish stepped up, the field house, everything else. But to me, and that was a crowning achievement for the donors there. But to me, and to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, they need to put their money where their mouth is now. Because we said this last week, you talked to people at Boston College a year ago, and they were telling you that if you're looking for NIL money, this isn't the place to be. It's about getting the Boston College degree here. Well, I got news for you, and I said this last week, and I'll reiterate it this week. A lot of these kids that are in the portal, with all due respect to Boston College, it's a great education, great degree, but a lot of them don't care about that. What they want is the paycheck. What they want is for you as a staff to tell them that you're going to put them in the NFL. If you can't promise them that, if you can't cut them a check, they don't give two shits about your degree. That's just the reality of today's college athlete in college football. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. You just said it more bluntly than I could. <laughs> 
but but I think that that's important. You know, it's it's great that you've launched an NIL initiative, but to your point, Kevin, I think they need to to put their money where their mouth is now because you, you know you keep hearing about how BC alumni want to win and the BC crowd goes on these message boards and they say this and they say that. That's great that you want to win, but I got news for you: everybody wants to win. So now it's become a matter of if you really want to win that bad, then you need to take out the checkbook and you need to hand it to Blake James and Bill O'Brien and say, what do you need? That's what it's going to take. Because if you're not willing to do that, then I don't think you're serious about winning in today's college football world. And I'll take it a step further. Adam, just to go back to what you said about recruiting, whether you liked Jeff Halfley or not, he was a terrific recruiter. He was a terrific recruiter. People forget that they brought in a top 20 portal class. So he can recruit, and that staff can recruit. You are definitely losing something there. Halfway had a lot of connections, especially in the Mid-Atlantic, the DMV. You're losing that. You're losing it with Halfway gone. You're losing it with Coach As gone to Maryland. You're losing a lot of that. So O'Brien's going to have to find a way to get guys on this staff that have inroads and connections in those areas because those areas produce a lot of talent for Northeastern football programs. The, the, he's going to have to find a way to get coaches that can get in there and recruit with some of the other schools in the Northeast and nationally, because if you don't have guys on your staff that can consistently recruit those areas, especially as a program in the Northeast, you are going to struggle. You are watching slash listening to – what was that? I, I said the DMV doesn't just uh, feed the Northeast. They feed the entire country. That's such a great um, – it's a formal recruiting it's, area. It's super for, and it's gotten more and more. I'd say over the last twenty years, where these guys, these these programs, they just they fill it up there, and it's um, you know, it's, it's a place they have to be for sure. Yeah, you're watching slash listening to the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, host John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Just a reminder. If you are looking into purchasing your first home or your next home, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846, or you can shoot him an email at situate.mortgageright.com. Herb and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to help you out in this process. With over 25 years of experience, Herb is the guy. When you are looking for a lawn officer or lender, that can make the process easy and get you into your next home. Again, give them a call at 781-254-2846 or shoot them an email at situate.mortgageright.com. Do it today. Spring market is here. All right, gentlemen, let's just shift gears here real quick. Want to talk about Harvard making it official, hiring Tim Murphy's replacement. It is Rutgers assistant Andrew Orich. And this was, if, if, if you were, if you had a list of Harvard candidates, I don't think that Coach Arich was on that list. He's got a terrific resume, lengthy experience in the Ivy League. Just some thoughts on the hire. And and my secondary question to getting your thoughts on the hire is, can he take the program or keep the program at the level that Tim Murphy had it at for so many years? It's hard to say. I feel like um, I never expected this. I had never heard of this guy. Um, you know, but uh, he does have a good resume. I don't know, you know, he doesn't have, uh, I don't think he has any head coaching experience, correct? Uh, I don't believe so. Associate head coach, and I can't remember where. I wrote yeah. it today. And he has experience at the D3 level as well. Um, now can he, you know, I think it's hard to, you know, win at the level that Murphy did. But I also feel like Harvard, no matter who's coaching it, it's going to be a heck of a destination for every recruit. Um, so I think he'll still be able to bring in good players. I just don't know much about this guy. Honestly, I just don't know much about him. Um, so I think, you know, Murphy was a great coach. He did an amazing job. This guy is more of an unknown to me. Um, but I'd like to see him com continue their winning ways, obviously. Um, but again, he, he, I think he's a, in a sort of a prove it stage a little bit. Like, 
Like, let's see what this guy can do because I don't think he was. I mean, like you said, if you're doing a list of like a hot board for uh, coaching candidates, I wouldn't have had his name on there. But that doesn't mean he can't be very good. I, I'm sure he could be, but it's just a it's just sort of a curious hire in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, the resume is good, but from every you know alumni I spoke to today, uh, a lot of people just aren't happy with the way the process went and and the hire overall. So, Adam, you, you hit it the nail on the head. He's in a prove-it, you know, kind of situation, but to the university, you know, not just the Ivy League and and himself, but um, there's a lot of donors and, and, and important people there who aren't necessarily sure that they want to now, you know, kind of fork over the money that, that they were beforehand. So uh, a very surprising hire, but that, again, like you said, it doesn't mean – he can't be good at the job. Um, he played at Princeton. He has, he coached at Princeton. So he's got that Ivy league, you, you know, he knows what to expect each and every week. So can he do it? Sure. Um, but this is like the Patriots hiring Alex Van Pelt. Like it just, it came out of nowhere. So uh, I'm with you, Adam. I didn't know much about him and we're going to learn pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, I think what got him the job though, was his eight years at Princeton. He also played at Princeton and look, some people might have said this about Tony Reno when Yale hired him. He was a Harvard assistant, and some people might have said, okay, you know, if you're an Ivy League football fan, you knew who Tony Reno was. But if you weren't and you were just a casual Yale fan uh, or a student at the school, you probably were like, who? Well, this is kind of the same thing here. But but Coach Arich has experience in the Ivy League. Like I said, eight years at Princeton – He's got FBS experience at Rutgers. He's got NFL experience. He coached one year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, eight years at Princeton. He's got a very good resume. And I think for given the success that Harvard had under Tim Murphy, I think a lot of us thought that the guys that were there were probably one of those guys, whether it be uh, Coach Lamb or, or – Coach Fine or Coach Larkey, one of those guys was going to emerge and eventually be the guy. And um, it didn't work out that way. But I think it's important, though, to look at this objectively and say, well, they hired Coach Arich because he has experience in the league. You know, they're not hiring a guy that's never coached in the league before that they're taking a chance on. They're hiring a guy that is that not only played in the league, but, but coached at the league at a high level. I mean, Princeton, year in and year out, is arguably one of the top two, three programs in the league. So, you know, when I look at this hire, I think it's a good hire. I know you mentioned that the alumni are not happy. I know people that we have spoken to felt that the process may not have been fair. All of that stuff is fair points, but the reality is it doesn't take away from the candidate they hired. And too often what ends up happening in a lot of these processes, whether it be at the high school level, the collegiate level, or even the NFL, is that when the, when the candidate that people didn't want doesn't get interviewed or hired, it typically elicits a response. Well, let, let's give Coach Arich a chance. Like I said, he's not a guy that doesn't know his way around the Ivy League. He does. He's been around a long time. People that I've talked to rave about him as a coach. They think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, I know, I, you know, I speak for us and I say we're looking forward to, to to continuing to cover Harvard football, one of the staple programs that we cover on New England Football Journal. And we're looking forward to uh, uh not hitting the mute button when he coughs. And um, we're looking forward to uh, to getting to know, in all seriousness, to getting to know Coach Arich because Harvard football is a big deal. And I think that there is a passionate fan base there. And, and I think they're going to get to know Coach along with us. So this will be a big spring and it'll be our first opportunity to get to know him. And then of course the Harvard fan base will get to know him as well. I will say this, something tells me, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, that program has a lot of history, a lot of tradition, easy to sell. I mean, it's the easiest degree in the world to sell, never mind this country. Who doesn't want a Harvard degree? Even us plebes who went to state schools want a Harvard degree if we can get one. Except for Stone. Stone doesn't care about Harvard. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think it's. Stone got his master's at Play School University. I think it's not far off. I think it's true of a lot of Ivy League schools, but even if you have FBS offers, 
if you get that opportunity to play at Harvard, there's still that pull. And so that that's going to help him. I mean, that's half the battle when you're at Harvard is you have you're selling Harvard. You're not selling. You're selling Harvard. And look, with the with the amount of guys that are now leaving these Ivy League schools as grad transfers in the portal and getting big time FBS offers. If your dream is to play FBS college football, you can still do that after you graduate with an Ivy League degree. So that's 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 pretty damn good. You're going to get an Ivy League degree out of it, play a year of FBS, possibly get drafted, make a career out of it in the NFL, and then you leave the NFL with an Ivy League degree and then a master's degree from another school. So I, I think if your goal is to get to go to Harvard and get that education – and you still want to play professionally, you can do both. You can do both. And, and I think if you do both, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of success. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's talk about Super Bowl 58. Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in overtime. First things first, just some thoughts on the game. And then I want to get into the Brady-Mahomes conversation real quick because we briefly talked about it last week. But now it's been amped up again. Now that Mahomes adds another one to the trophy case. But let's start with some overall thoughts on the game. I thought the game was pretty good. Like even when, even when not a lot of points are being scored, you could tell like everything was kind of close the whole way. And so you got in a lot of situations score wise, where it was like tight. You know, like it was it was a good close game all the way through. I like the fact that it went into overtime. I like the fact that, you know, not everybody quite knew the rules of the overtime. Um, no, the 49ers didn't know the rules of the right, overtime. It's, I thought, I mean, I thought it was cool. Like, it was a neat ending. I liked it. Um, you know, I thought, I, I, I don't like, I don't necessarily like a big, like, shootout type game. So the fact that it wasn't there wasn't a lot of points early didn't bother me, and I thought it had just a great finish, um, and I thought both quarterbacks played well for the most part, and it was a it was an uh, you know it was a compelling game and I liked it. Um, it was not a great game for prop betting if you're in that kind of thing, but it, it reminded me a little bit. So Stone lost money. Uh, a little bit, not too bad though. Um, it, and now minus the high scoring. It reminded me a little bit of the Panthers Patriots Super Bowl, where, you know, dead quiet really for three quarters, fourth quarter, things kind of open up a little bit. And again, it wasn't nearly the same. I get that, but it just kind of had that feel to me. Um, you know, entertaining game overall. Um, I do think, and I said this after the, the Lions choked in the NFC Championship, I think this game again proved why Belichick deserves a job in the league still. Um, just situationally, Mentally, the mistakes, the fumbles, um, just some of the clock management at times. Uh, Shanahan down the stretch, you know, maybe not leaning on McCaffrey enough, just a whole bunch of stuff. And you can just see why, you know, Belichick would not. And this isn't to say he's been perfect in, in Super Bowls, but I do think if Belichick is coaching San Fran last night, they might win that game. So um, overall, entertaining Super Bowl. And uh, like you guys said earlier, I thought the commercials – were pretty good. The uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one was hilarious to me. The State Farm one, um, I thought that was good, and I thought the Brady one was overrated, um, which might be surprising to most people who who know how much I love him. But overall, an entertaining night, and uh, not the best game ever, but it, it lived up to the hype for the most part. Um, do I get to the Brady thing now or wait? No, let's wait. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. I mean, I thought the the, the game was good. Um, you know, a lot of these Super Bowl games in recent years, especially, have come down to the fourth quarter, which is what makes the Super Bowl the greatest sporting event in the world. Because in many ways, if it's a nothing beats a great Super Bowl game. And that's why to me it's so captivating. And of course, you have the soccer turds coming out last night. Four million people watch the World Cup. Dude, who cares? It's every four years. Come talk to me when you're doing it every year and it's a spectacle every year. If you do it every year and you're getting those numbers, fine, fair. But you know what? I don't know why soccer people feel compelled to do that every year. Just shut up. Nobody cares. Um, But I I think the game overall was good. I thought that Shanahan's decision to take the ball in overtime to start was a bad decision. They should have deferred 
and gotten the ball last, if you will. Uh, to me, San Francisco should have won the game, but they only had a 10-0 lead. They, they allowed Kansas City to hang around. The problem with the Super Bowl is, and I said this to our good friend Joe Murray earlier, it's an extended halftime. So if you're down 10-3 like Kansas City was at the half, you have twice as much time now to get on those tablets, meet with your position groups, meet with the coordinators, and figure out a plan of attack in the second half. I thought Kansas City's game plan to open the game sucked. I thought it was terrible. I thought I thought Andy Reid had his head up his ass for that game plan. Now, how do you not line up? And 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 I know Pacheco fumbled early, but how do you not come back to him and continue to pound the ball with him, with McKinning, with Edwards Hilaire? That's what Green Bay and Detroit did, and they ran through that 49er defense like they weren't there. I, the fact that that wasn't the plan that they were trying to get cute early, trying to push the ball vertically, not setting up play action, it, it just didn't make sense to me. But I'll say this, and people, unfortunately, in the national media, you're not going to hear this enough because they're too busy tongue-bathing Mahomes. But to me, Kansas City's defense is the reason they won the Super Bowl this year. I'm not taking anything away from Mahomes, but when you look at Mahomes statistically and when he needed to be great last night and be himself, he was. But statistically, he didn't have a great year. He turned the ball over a bunch, okay? And while his playoff numbers are ridiculous, I mean, he's already surpassed Manning, Favre, Rodgers, Breeze, those guys in terms of playoff wins. The reality is I don't think the Chiefs end up in Las Vegas if it wasn't for their defense, and I don't think they win it. And if you're San Francisco, yeah, you lost this game in the first half. You could have put them away early. But turnovers, penalties, you allowed them to hang around. You allowed Mahomes to do his thing, and they ended up coming from behind and winning it. But I think a lot of the credit – has to go to Grafton native Steve Spagnolo, who is one of the all-time great defensive coordinators, winning his fourth Super Bowl last night. He did a tremendous job. This Chiefs defense is legit. They're young, and in many ways, they're the backbone to what is now a dynasty, which brings me to my next question. I think we all agree it's a dynasty, right? Three and five years. You hear a lot of people copying them to the Patriots, the first part of the dynasty. Do you see that? I don't know. Um, I did this year. I'll say that. I, I could see a little bit of it this year. I. It's you're, you're almost splitting hairs. It seems like with the calling them a dynasty or not having as, as good as the Patriots. I, I don't know, but they have really earned a spot at the top right now because this this wasn't their best team. Like, no. like no. talent wise. This might be their least talented Super Bowl team. The sad thing is, he's going to be. He is. There was a report yesterday that he's uh, he is talking about restructuring his contract. Which, if he does that, forget you it. Know they'll sign a Calvin Ridley or a T. Oh. Higgins to a one-year deal. They'll load up next year and they'll three-peat. There's only hey. one man, Kirchin, that stands in the way of all of this. Joe Shiesty. He needs <laughs> to get back healthy. Um, but no, I just feel like. That's your guy, by the way. Yeah. Um, I just feel like Kansas City's in a great spot because they've got the quarterback, they've got the coach. You know, if they want to – now they're just, you know, now it's like the, everything's a cherry on top. Like, if they – they're obviously going to target more receivers and, like, they're – over the years, they've done a good job of getting a good guy for that. And it's and it seems like there's so many good receivers every draft now that they'll be able to find somebody good. Well, I agree, but I, th I do. I will say this: they do have. They still have some big decisions to make. Like, yeah. do you bring Chris Jones back at his cap number? They need to address the offensive line. I mean, tackle is is a weak spot for them with Taylor and Smith. But to your point, this wasn't their best team. They no. won a Super Bowl with arguably the worst team of the Mahomes era. This is – I mean, Mahomes is great. You know, I, I didn't expect him to win this year. I thought – I gonna, didn't either. I thought it was going to be like – I thought it was, I thought the Ravens, it was going to be the Ravens' year. and But it just shows you how much you can get away with if you have a quarterback like Mahomes. Yeah, you guys both nailed it. If you're a Patriots fan – well, first, you need to be able to separate the dynasty debate from the Brady-Bahomes debate, I think. Um, he's not close to Brady yet. 
He's on that path, and he is only 28. But you look at the numbers. He has so many more things to accomplish. Well, right. He's only 28, and Brady played until he was 45. No, I know. But the people saying right now that they're you know neck and neck is insane. I'm saying right, he's but I think if he stays on the track he's on, he may surpass oh, him. 100%. But the people that are saying it right now are out of their minds. Um, I do think last night is is that was an all-time drive in overtime, first of all. Third down, fourth down conversions. Uh, I believe he was 8 of 8, 13-play uh, drive to win that game. And it's funny because before that, you know, when they were going down to tie the game, I tweeted out, well, Brady gets in the end zone there, and you didn't even get to overtime. And then he goes and does that in, in, in OT. Um, that's not close yet, in my opinion. The dynasty talk is, though, and it's because of what you guys said. They just won that game last night without their best team by far. And the Patriots, when they were able to do that or at least make runs, that's what made them, you know, such an impressive dynasty is when they were competitive every year or in an AFC championship every year without their best team sometimes. So if KC can keep doing that and Mahomes is going to fix his contract and allow more money to be spread out, well, then as a Patriots fan, you need to start worrying. But in terms of the Brady-Mahomes debate, I don't think you need to worry just yet. No, I, but and listen, we, we talked about this last week. We don't need to, to beat the dead horse here. By the way, Rock joins the show. Will Long, UBCOC, a longtime Bill O'Brien assistant, Will Long. He was the Patriots tight ends coach last year. I mentioned him in the piece I wrote that I expected him to join O'Brien. Um, I think that he is going to join. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's – and listen, Long has paid his dues. He's worked for with O'Brien for a long time, so – it's not a surprise that he would be BC's new offensive coordinator. Uh, Rock, thanks for checking in, man. Appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Yeah, I, I think getting back to the Brady Mahomes argument, I, look, the, the, the national media doesn't surprise me that they're all over Mahomes and they're already proclaiming him the GOAT. But we, we can't be slaves to the moment here. And that's what the, the problem is. I think we're all prisoners of the moment. And it's like, oh, that's it. He's better. It, 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 come on, knock it off. Give it some time here. Remember now, Brady went 10 years between Super Bowl wins. Who's to say that that doesn't happen to Mahomes? And, and the thing is, and I still point to this, it's a different setup than the one Brady had with Belichick. Andy Reid is much older than Belichick was during the first three Super Bowls. So Andy Reid, if they were to three-peat next year, my guess is he retires. I think he goes out on a high note. Hey, one, three, three in a row. I've got four rings. I don't need to do this anymore. So, you know, I, I think to me, they're definitely a dynasty. You got to give them that. And I think that the the gap between them and everybody else could widen. If San Francisco couldn't beat that version of them, I'm not sure if they rematched for a third time next year that they'd be able to beat them. And if you're San Francisco, I think a couple of things here. One, that – that is the best roster in the league, or at least it was the best roster in the league this year, and you wasted it. Two, he played well, but I think long-term, if you're the 49ers, you have to ask yourself, is Brock Purdy really the guy? They And they need to figure that out sooner than later because he's eligible for an extension after next season. So they need to figure out if they actually believe that he's the guy. Now, in the Green Bay and Detroit games in the fourth quarter, he was the guy. He had an MVP caliber season. But to me, last night, he played well in the first half. Second half, he did not. He couldn't handle Kansas City's blitz pressure. He struggled on third down. I think they converted three of 12. You know, some of, some of his deficiencies showed up at key times last night. So if San Francisco is going to capitalize on having this – roster or at least the core of this roster back next year not saying they make a quarterback change you definitely run it back with Purdy but I'm not sure that he's the long-term answer as far as the Mahomes Brady debate again I think that that's just national fodder they're prisons of the moment I don't think we need to have the conversation now but if Mahomes were to win a fourth one next year then you have to start to wonder if he could stay healthy and play until he's 40 he could win eight Super Bowls by the time he's done You might be muted. Are you muted? 
There you go. Nope, still can't hear you. So anyways, um, no, I'm with you, Jordan. That's the thing, though. Uh, it's the longevity. It's the longevity of um, of Mahomes. No, you're good. You guys are both muted now. No, I can. We can, we can hear you. Oh, there you go. I I couldn't hear you. No, but you're right. It's longevity. That's that's the biggest thing in all of this. The entire argument is based on longevity. If he can if he can do what Brady did, sure he's got a shot. But go play 23 years and then you know let's circle back. I I just can you hear me? Yes, we got you. Okay. Uh, I just think. <clears throat> excuse me. I just think it's amazing that we're even having a discussion this this soon after Brady retires. That there's somebody else already, like who's being seen as a a guy who can challenge his supremacy. Like I would have thought that the next guy to challenge Brady would be like 20 years from now. You know. And like, Adam to that point, if Brady doesn't win the coin toss in the AFC Championship, right? Who knows? It might have started earlier. It, it's crazy. It's like so. I would have thought like it would be the next guy would be like in twenty thirty or something like that, or <clears throat> twenty thirty five. I know he doesn't have the sufficient number of Super Bowl <clears throat> title wins yet, but the fact that. Mahomes is even making this a, a, a conversation already is crazy to me. He's not even 30 years old. I mean, that's that, that to me is just crazy. Well, and that's just it, though. I mean, I think when you look at his numbers, his postseason numbers in particular, he's already got three Super Bowl MVPs. Like, he's not even 30 yet. He's only 28. He's going to be 29, I think, in September. He's just... So, He's just getting into his prime. Yes. And he's already got three Super Bowl MVPs, three That's Super Bowls. He's played in four. He's played in six straight AFC title games. He's already got more playoff wins than Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. And I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, he's one or two wins away from tying Joe Montana or passing him. So the, He has the same amount of Super Bowl MVPs already as Brady, too. Yeah, it is. So for people like Stone who jocked Brady, this can't be good. And by the way, I have a buddy of mine who's who's a big Patriots fan, also a 49ers fan, and he was despondent last night about uh, what happened with them losing. But he can't stand Mahomes and the Chiefs. I know there are a lot of people that echo that sentiment, especially with all the Taylor uh, Swift stuff. But listen, at the end of the day, you can, you can dislike Mahomes for whatever reason, but you can't deny this. He's a great player, and he's fun to watch. That last drive was vintage Mahomes. And I really think, even if you're if you're a Patriots fan and you love Brady, you have to give the guy his due. He's a great player. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say now he's the second greatest quarterback of all time. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, I think, too, by all accounts, he seems to be a great guy. Like, he's, like I don't know if you guys watched. I know we talked about this a little bit, but there's that Netflix documentary. Yeah. He's great on that. Like, he, for, as, as, he doesn't need to be humble, but he is. Uh, and, he, and he seems like a good guy. I don't know what, how you could hate the guy other than he beats your team in, in football, but. He seems to be a pretty good guy. No, I agree. And, and that's just it. I think that the level of humility, and, and he is humble, I think is something that I appreciate about him as well. But like I said, I think you can make an argument that after last night, maybe he passed Joe Montana. Joe Montana does have four Super Bowl wins, didn't throw a pick in four Super Bowl games. But, man, he could potentially surpass him for wins next year in next year's playoffs, assuming he – stays healthy next year, and they get there. Now, I, I think you can make the argument he's the second greatest quarterback of all time now. If he wins another one, that cements him as the second greatest. And now, the way that his career is going, he's got Brady in his sights. You never know. But but 
I think if you had asked a lot of people two years ago after Brady won his seventh, I think a lot of people would have said no one's ever going to win seven ever again or win eight and top that. Well, Mahomes still would have to win five more to top it, but at least now he's in the conversation, whereas I'm not sure we could have said that before. The other thing, too, with them, and you guys can tell me if you agree, last night when, when San Fran didn't pull away and it was still a close game at the half, it sort of felt like it was KC's game at some point. I think they're starting to build that mystique that the Patriots had. Yep. Like, it felt like San Fran, everything kind of snowballed, you know, at one point in that second half, and it just felt like Mahomes was ultimately going to pull it out. That's the same thing Brady had for, for we maybe not 20 years, but we'll call it 10. The Patriots had that thing kind of hanging over teams, and I think Kansas City, if they don't have it already, it's developing quite nicely for them. They definitely have. It's a great point, Kev, because I remember at the – I was at the uh, – the, the Houston, uh, the Falcons versus Patriots Super Bowl that year. Adam, and, your volume, you, you sound you sound like your volume is very low. Can you hear me now? And we can hear you, but you just, your volume sounds low. I don't know what to do. Okay. Well, then keep talking. All right. <laughs> so, I was, I was at that Super Bowl against Atlanta, like, and you knew when the Patriots got the ball, it's over. Like, there was no... Yeah, especially in overtime. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he was just, you know, it was just inevitable. And that's kind of how you feel when when Mahomes gets a chance to win it and there's one possession, you know he's going to score. And so I think in that respect, they've already got that, like you said, the aura about them, where they're like, he's going to do it, and you just better not give him a chance. Yeah. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Speaking of the Patriots here, before we do wrap it up for the night, Patriots continue to hire assistant coaches. Uh, Brian Belichick opted to stay last week. He's going to be the Patriots safety coach. Of course, his brother Steve left to go become Jed Fish's defensive coordinator at the University of Wisconsin. You guys surprised that Brian Belichick is staying? Yeah, I just think it's a weird kind of awkward element. You know, dad's out after 25 years, but the kid stays up. I don't know. It's probably not that big a deal, and I'm sure it'll be, you know, not an issue once once um, they all kind of get rolling. But just on the surface, it is a little bit weird to me. Yeah, a little bit, but I I don't think it's a huge thing. I do think he's built up relationships with the staff for a while, and I think it's good that. Yeah, I don't think it's that weird either. I mean, he had a relationship with the Belichicks, obviously with Bill. Very close with both Steve and Brian. Look, if you're Brian Belichick, you're a young coach with a young family. Do you want to? Do you want to take the year off or uproot them and move them somewhere else, whether it be to coach in the NFL or coach in college? I think he looked at this objectively. Probably talked to his dad, and his dad probably said, "You know what, Gerard will be good to you. He'll take care of you. You know what? Why don't you do it?" And so I think I don't think that the decision was made strictly because he didn't have any other option. I think it was made. I'd heard people told me that he was the one Belichick that people around the organization felt was going to stay because of his family situation. So I'm not surprised that he's staying. I think it's good for him to be on the staff. I think it's good for the Patriots. I think it's good for him. Of course, they're also hiring Robert uh, Kugler as a new assistant offensive line coach. An old face is coming back, Tyquan Underwood, who was the pass game coordinator and receivers coach with the Pitt Panthers, he's going to be the assistant wide receivers coach. And Drew Wilkins, 36-year-old outside linebacker coach, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens for 12 years, and the New York Giants is the new outside backers coach. Matthew Judon has extensive experience working with Wilkins, so he will be a familiar face. All right, gentlemen, did we uh, did we forget anything? I know we had National Signing Day on Wednesday. Not a lot there. Kevin, I know you had mentioned there were just a couple of quick things you wanted to talk about on that front. Yeah, no, just uh, a couple of bigger classes than I expected, particularly Maine, URI. Uh, Dan Curran at Holy Cross absolutely crushed it his first class. Um, it was good to see. Again, it's obviously not the the same as the one in, in December. Um, this one used to be the big one, but um, still some impressive classes locally. And uh, again, it's 
it's coming up quick, man. Spring ball is is here. I know Brian started what today or this week. Um, so it's coming quick. Um, I would just like to mention I did the recruiting roundup on Tilt, who's um, you know, Elvis Bernardo's coach. There. He's done an awesome job at Tilt. Um, and they've got an offensive tackle named Will Black. 6'7", 295 pounds, a Notre Dame commit. And you know Notre Dame always has a great offensive line. And they are actually, uh, Elbe seems to say that uh, that they think Will Blackson uh, is comparable to Joe Alsh, the uh, tackle who's, who's going to be, uh, you know, going maybe in the top 10 probably at this point. Um, so... I mean, they got him back. He's got a couple other guys. That offensive line for Tilt is going to be excellent this year. Yeah. No, and, and we're scheduled to have Will Black on the recruiting visit here in a couple of weeks, so we're looking forward to talking to Will about his commitment to Notre Dame and the upcoming season. Um, but, yeah, no, it's in many ways there's some closure there with the Super Bowl wrapping up the NFL season, but there, there is no offseason. We talk about this all the time. We got – Free agency coming up now. We've got the draft. We've got recruiting that continues to be at the forefront. Kevin, on Thursday, you're going to be at the BC and Harvard press conferences, correct? Correct. And what time are those, and when can we expect to hear from you during those press conferences? Uh, BC is 11, Harvard is at 2, and uh, I'll be putting out videos and, and quotes. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Bill O'Brien has to say about the process, or at least the process that I think happened, and uh, the Harvard one's going to be interesting. I want to see kind of who is there for, um, I guess, distinguished guests, if you will. It is Harvard after all. And, um, again, it's um, sort of a controversial hire. So uh, a historic day on Thursday. Though. You know, we've talked about this the past few weeks between Bill Belichick, Jeff Halfley, Bob Chesney, and Tim Murphy all weaving. There is a, uh, a brand-new landscape here in New England. So Thursday is going to be a historic day around here for, for college football. Yeah, sounds good. So we'll be looking for your updates throughout the afternoon. Again, the introductory press conferences for both Bill O'Brien and Andrew Orange. That'll do it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. For Kevin Stone and Adam Kirch, and I'm John Serenitas. Till next week. Peace. See ya.